Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 264 from Engage for Success. Engage for Success, the UK's leading not-for-profit movement for employee engagement. Uh, I'm Joe Moffat, one of the co-hosts of the show, and today we're going to be talking about the art of servant leadership. And to help us explore that topic, I am joined by Art Barter. Art is the owner and CEO of Datron World Communications and is a leading exponent of the practice of servant leadership. So I'm very pleased to have him with us today. So uh, welcome to the show, Art. Hey, Joe, thank you for having me. It's great to be with uh, everyone today. It's and love, love the work you guys are doing, so keep it up. It's, it's, it's a very, very important uh, title uh, around the world. Well, absolutely. And, uh, and obviously what we're going to be talking about for the next half hour, I think, is um, it'd be an interesting um, topic to explore because I think that certainly will drive and can drive engagement amongst the wider workforce, can't it? So, um, but before we get into that specifically, um, could you t- just tell us a little bit about yourself? What, what's your background? What's your professional background, Art? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, you know, I went to school, uh, Cal State Fullerton in, in California, in the USA, mm-hmm. uh, earned a couple of business degrees. So I've been uh, involved in business since I graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, back in, well, 1979, I graduated. Um, and I worked to work for, for Disney, um, that, and that's where I worked when I went through school, but I had an opportunity to work in a business um, areas there and really enjoyed that. But I, I left them because I was looking for um, a different type of environment, wasn't sure what I was looking for, and found that I loved to build things. So I went to work for a manufacturing company, and I've been involved with manufacturing ever since. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a passion that I, I just love to build things. So I'm trained in finance and operations. That's what, what my background and training is. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, my, my early dream uh, when I graduated was I wanted to retire by the time I was 40 and, you know, have a boat and a home on the bay and all that kind of neat stuff. And fortunately, no one taught me how to do that because I'm not sure I really would have enjoyed that because my passion around serving in leadership um, came about in my mid to late 40s. Uh, right. So I really didn't find my passion until later in life. So I spent 25 years in the corporate world, corporate mm-hmm. public world, worrying mm-hmm. about corporate profits and quarterly profits and, and et cetera. I mm-hmm. uh, went to work for Datron in 1997 as their VP of Finance and Operations right. and got an opportunity to buy the company in 2004, which I did. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, Joe, you know, I had just gotten tired of being used by corporations. And, and what I mean by that is everyone expected me to put my personal life and my family on the back burner and put everything into my career. And, yeah. you know, I'll take, I'll take some responsibility for that, but there's also pressure that, you know, family wasn't, wasn't part of the work environment uh, back then. Mm. And uh, that, that's what I did. And I've been burned several times through my career. And I just got tired of being taken advantage of. And when we bought Daytron in 2000, late 2004, my wife Lori and I decided that uh, we would run that company with different principles, that we would base it on servant leadership uh, instead of the power model of the corporate world. And, right. and that's, what we, that's what we did. 
my wife Lori, uh, we have two kids, uh, Jennifer and Chris, and they're uh, both in their early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's involved in Daytron, uh, and I can't, you know, I can't really say it's a family business because I'm the one that decided to buy it. My family got involved after I decided to buy it, and um, so it hasn't been in the family, you know, like a family business. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's 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 been a very interesting journey. We learned a lot about servant leadership, and there's a lot of people who will teach you about servant leadership, but there aren't a lot of people who are helping people implement it in in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started down that path, had some great success, and after about six or seven years, people said, hey, Art, will you please share your experience and why you've had success in implementing servant leadership in your, your business? Okay. And okay. Uh, so we we started the Servant Leadership Institute to share what we had learned about implementing servant leadership. Now, okay, you know, can, can I go, can I take you back a stage before we get on to that? Oh, sure. yeah. So 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 um, just tell me a little Datron. What 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 do you actually what does Datron do? Datron is a, um, a multinational international company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we 90% of our revenue is done outside the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, design, manufacture, and sell military radio equipment okay. to foreign militaries. We don't sell to right. the U.S. military. We sell, we sell to foreign militaries, and we're one, one of the only uh, military companies that focus our markets on foreign countries. Okay. And so I've traveled extensively throughout Africa, Middle East, mm-hmm. Asia, um, not so much Latin America, but some in Latin America, Central America. Um, and, you know, I help developing countries, mostly developing com- countries. We don't do too much in the tier one countries around NATO or anything like that. The, the big mm-hmm. companies take care of mm-hmm. that. But we, what we like to do is help uh, countries and security forces deal with disturbances in their country with great communication so they don't have to bring out weapons. Right. And right. so we, we provide great communication so they don't have to to take out weapons and, and do something they really don't want to do. So we, okay, we, we look at our products as saving lives, yeah. Right, okay. So, so, so I think the picture you paint of, of somebody who spent 25 years in the corporate world and um, became tired of being used by by the corporation. I think, I think many of our listeners would, would identify with that. I think, you know, certainly there's a much greater awareness today, isn't there, about the need to get better work-life balance in, your, in, in terms of what you're doing. But, and I'm, I'm interested when you said you wanted to run the organization or run your company with a, an alternative to the power model uh, and more along servant leadership lines. Did you know at that point that it was called servant leadership, or were you simply exploring a way of working that you later came to understand was called servant leadership? No, we we, we knew exactly what we wanted to call it, and anyway, it was servant leadership. Um, hmm. uh, Ken Blanchard, uh, who is you know a world-renowned leadership guru, he challenged me in my leadership beliefs in um, April of 2003 and introduced me to servant leadership and really challenged me to be a different type of leader. And so he started planting the seed, and I said, you know what, how would I feel as an employee if my leaders believed in helping me be successful in everything I do in my work? Mm -hmm. 
provide me the tools, inspire me. Because um, up to that point, I, you know, we, I'd worked for a, a, a boss, um, general manager, who got his staff together one day, Joe, and said, well, I don't trust anybody in the room. And then his next statement was, don't, you know, don't take this personal because I don't trust anybody. Um, when you talk about employee engagement, the employee engagement in that room was zero. There was nobody in that room who wanted to help that, that individual be successful because he didn't trust anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those were the type of corporate leaders that, you know, I, I had some good corporate leaders, but I had some challenging ones. Most of them were focused on, on work. And you mentioned mm-hmm. work-life balance. I like to talk about life-work integration. Right. Because I yeah. haven't, haven't found anyone who has that magic switch that can turn their life off when they walk in the door and go to work in the morning. Their, right. their life impacts their entire life, not just their personal life. And so we try and help leaders understand that life-work balance is really what it's all about today. And that okay. there isn't a magic switch that you turn things off on and on and off on. Yeah. So, so give us, um, give our listeners, if you would, a, a nice pocket-sized definition of what servant leadership is. Um, sure. Um, the gentleman who, who brought servant leadership into the corporate world, his name is Robert Greenleaf, back in 1970s. Um, I think he was working for AT&T and, and did some things there. Um, and he, his definition was it starts with a basic um, – natural feeling to serve. And I disagree with that today. It might have been true back in the 1970s, but today I don't think people have a natural feeling to serve first. Mm-hmm. I do believe serving is a learned competency, though. I think people can can learn it and uh, find out that it really is part of their purpose in life. And so, you know, I talked to, to gentlemen like Ken Blanchard and John Maxwell, uh, Stephen M. R. Covey, great in, in, in trust. Mm-hmm. And I took bits and pieces from all of them and said, okay, what's the best thing for my organization and how I want to define what servant leadership is all about. So our leadership team there decided that at Daytron, our definition of servant leadership is to inspire and equip those we influence. So inspire and equip those we influence. Now I didn't say those Mm -hmm. that report to you because we believe that everyone is a leader. We believe Mm -hmm. everyone influences someone um, and so we're all leaders uh, we may not have leader titles but we influence the people around us and as leaders we're watched all the time at, at how we say things when we say things what we don't say um, uh, where we are where we're not and so we're watched all the time and so we influence a lot of people that are both inside and outside our organization and so our definition is to inspire and equip those we influence. Okay, so so arguably then, Art, you could you can apply servant leadership principles not just to your to the people that you work with inside an organization, but you could also apply those principles with your client base and your customers. Absolutely, and 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 what's what's fun, what's interesting to watch is. Servant leadership is all about caring for, for people. And so when mm-hmm. you care about your customers, and servant leadership, you tend to lead with your heart and not with your mind. Right. So you lead from the first. So you, you're going to do some things for your customers that your competitors aren't going to understand. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I was in London last September for a trade show there, and a retired general from one of the countries we do business in came to me, gave me a coin, and he said, all right, I want you to know that your company has served our country more from your heart than any other company we've ever done business with. Now, wow. that's a country where we, we have gone in and said, what, what do you want to accomplish, and how can we help you accomplish your mission? Mm-hmm. And they, they know that we will be there, we'll stand by them, we'll help them accomplish that mission. And you'll create a relationship that's so strong that competitors will have a hard time breaking into that, that relationship because they won't understand that your relationship is based on your heart, not on your, on your mind. Right. And that relationship is so strong because you really care about the people you do business with mm-hmm. that it, it creates a – you're different in the marketplace to the point where your competitors don't know how to deal with you. Mm-hmm. Because they don't mm-hmm. understand about dealing from your heart, and that's right. that's what's fun to watch. Is I watch these big companies around the world go, "How did you guys at Daytron do that?" Well, mm-hmm. they have no idea that you know we 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 don't do it with power; we do it with love. Right, but that yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean, does it, that you just cave in in any kind of price negotiation because you love your customers so much you'll give them stuff for nothing. Uh, absolutely not. It, it it has to be a win-win for both parties, or it's not a good relationship. Yeah. And yeah. so there there are times when you have to stand up, and um, I've had some some areas in the past where a customer has wanted us to backdate a document to represent something that we're we're not in order for us to get a six million dollar job, and we said, you know that breaks our values, we can't do that. And so mm-hmm. we walk away from business when our customers expect or ask us to compromise our values. We don't compromise our values just to get business. Yeah, um, yeah. We stand okay. on them. So, and so, so talking about bringing it, I, that's interesting in terms of external. So you are, a, you are consistent in how you are. You are true to your values, whether you are dealing with external clients and prospective clients or whether you're dealing with your own people. Um, Absolutely. Paint paint a little bit of a picture for me um, as to how servant leadership principles would manifest themselves in the workplace compared to that same scenario where um, the power uh, model was was in play. Yeah, you know, it's... um... It's interesting to deal with people because leadership is all about how you behave. Mm. It's, it's about what you talk about, too, but really people watch your behaviors. And in servant leadership, one of the first things we teach people is, you know, do you want to serve? And people will say yes. Okay, well, the next thing you need to do in that relationship is build trust. Mm-hmm. And so when we build trust with our employees, we started with what's the best thing we can do for our employees to help build trust? And we said, what are their basic needs that we need to meet as a company? And the basic need here in the States is everyone, the first thing they worry about is, do I have medical coverage? And how much is it going to cost me? So we provide great medical plans. We pay, I think it's 85% of the premium we pay for the employee and 65% for uh, their spouses, which which puts us uh, in a category well above the market's. 
And the reason we do that is we want to take care of that basic need that every employee has is to have great medical insurance mm. when they need it. Um, right. Now, on top of that, we also have an on-site clinic that operates during the week that employees can go to. They can get upwards to 60, 70 drugs. They can mm-hmm. get basic care or they can take care of their colds. And it's on-site. They don't have to get in their car and go to the doctors. They don't have to take time off to do that. They don't have to miss work. They, can, they know they're going to walk into an office, and at that time, it's just them. There's no waiting room. There's no uh, stack up of patients because the doctor got involved. And, and that part people really appreciate because they know they're going to be taken care of at the time that they signed up for. Mm. Um, those are basic ways that you, once you start doing that for people and they understand you do it from the heart, now you're building a relationship that someone can trust you. Mm. When you when you start that trust build up, now you can start asking, how can I inspire you? How can I get you inspired with the purpose of the company? And then how can I equip you? And in order for a servant leader's hand that's extended to help people, in order for that hand to be grabbed onto and people said, yes, please help me, you have to have a pretty high level of trust with that individual or they're going to not, they're not going to trust the leader. They're going to sit back and go, what does Art want? Mm-hmm. You know, he says he wants to help me, but is he just trying to get you know, more profit out of me, more productivity, or is he really trying to help me be better? And you have to earn that trust. And once you earn that trust, now you can engage with people on a level that you couldn't, you couldn't engage with them in a power model. And so, Part of what we help leaders understand is, is help people find out that there's power in love and quit thinking about the love of power. You know, we're so wrapped up in the love of power. Let's turn that around and talk about the power of love and caring for people. Yeah. And so meet their basic needs. Medical is real high here. Um, be fair with them. If you do incentives, you know, do incentives. If, if You know, you can you – can, Always be make decisions based on the employee's benefits first, what impacts them in a positive way, and put the corporation second. Now, the flip side of that coin, right, Joe, is we still have a responsibility to make profits. Sure. If, if, if I want to be a long-term player and be a long-term servant-led organization, I still have to get profits, but yeah. I get them in a different way. I, I, I care more about how I get those results than the results themselves. So how I get them is more important to me than the results. Mm. Um, mm. And so when we, we really care about how we get them. Are we treating people fairly? Are we living our values? Are we behaving as servant leaders? Are we doing it the right way? That's when people go, wow, this company's for real, and I want to work for this company. Mm. And mm. so help me understand how I can get better. And okay. so when we inspire them and give them tools to get better, they're open to, to that prospect. Yeah. So that, that would include learning and development, professional development, helping them achieve their professional potential. Yep, exactly. And, and we yeah. invest in people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a little saying on our, on our wall, in God we trust, in people we invest. <laughs> and um, people go, okay, well, what, what does all that mean? I said, well, number one, the, the, we're here to invest in people and help people. 
And that applies to employees just as well as it does, does to our customers. So we just did to customers, our employees would go, you're not here to, 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 to um, you know, serve me. And so, you know, we actually, Joe, we actually take that organizational chart where the CEO is at the top, and we turn it upside down to where the CEO is at the bottom, and my job is to help everyone in the company be inspired and be equipped to be the best possible person they can be in the job they're doing. And so my job is to bring out the best in people in what they're doing in the organization. Uh, they don't serve me. I serve them. Yeah. You serve them. Yeah. So, so you touched on the Servant Leadership Institute earlier, and I, I guess what I wanted to ask you about that was one of the one of the things, one of the challenges and the barriers that I certainly face, and I know colleagues of mine here face when we talk about principles around putting people at the heart of business and employee engagement and so on, is that there is a, there are cynics, there are people who are so wedded to that power model that you described that they are they think oh you're just being pink and fluffy it's all just being nice to people and it's all about happiness and you know at the end of the day we've got to make a living and we've got to deliver bottom line profit do you do you face those same challenges with your when you when you pitch these concepts in the in the institute yeah, you know, there are some companies who will who will grab onto it and they're they're ready for a change, and there's other companies that are just they just want to try it to see if it works. And um, you know, my belief is when a leader uses the word "try," it's it's almost the kiss of death, is what we right. call it here in the states. Is you know, a leader says we're going to try it. Well, he's not committed to it. So what are you committed to? What kind of culture in your company are you committed to? You yeah. have to be committed to that culture. We were committed to be a servant-led culture. Now, I couldn't ask my company to put everything we do on hold for a year while I change the culture. I still had to get results because I still had to make payroll. I still had to Mm. pay my employees. Mm. And I will tell you, Joe, it's one of the toughest things I've ever done as a leader is to go in and change a culture. When I bought the company in 2004, it had already been around for almost 30 years. Right. And it had a couple of different cultures in it. And so I started to change the culture. Now, it takes on an average in a company that that already has culture, it takes on an average up to eight years to change that culture. It's a long-term prospect. Mm, You can't put results on hold during that time period or you go out of business. So you still have a responsibility to get results. So I had to get results at the same time we're changing the culture. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do. And that's why we started focusing in and having everybody look at how we get those results is really what it's all about. I just don't want to make the quarter or make the year just to make the year. I want to do it the right way so that Mm -hmm. our, our employees feel valued, our customers feel valued, our vendors feel valued, and we do it the right way. We don't do it in a way that someone in that group suffers because we're the only ones making money um mm. right so there's, so there's a mutuality so about you, you, it really it, it is it's very real and yeah um i didn't want my employees to feel like they were being used but there are times that servant leaders need to make what i call command decisions right and the difference between a power leader and a servant leader, and when you make command decisions, a servant leader will go back to their team in a week or two 
and they'll explain to them why they made that decision and why it was a command decision, and they'll turn it into a teaching moment right. rather than a power leading saying, just do what I tell you to do and we'll be okay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, get you. There's yeah. a real difference. Yeah, and, and can that approach in your, you obviously with the Servant Leadership Institute, you're not just talking about these principles in your own organization at Datron, but you're talking more widely. Do you see this as a model that has validity across all kinds of organizations of different shapes and sizes? Or are there some types of businesses where it, it really is much better suited? No, I, I think it applies everywhere. And um, I think any business of any size uh, can have servant leadership uh, as part of its culture because um, what's interesting is people say, well, my CEO isn't on board with servant leadership. And I say, well, what keeps you from treating everyone that you deal with every day with dignity and respect? Because that's what servant leadership is all about. And I said, you don't need permission from a CEO to treat those you deal with every day with dignity and respect. Yeah. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And, and, you know, that's the behavior side is what servant leadership is all, is all about and build trust. You yeah. can start in your department, in your group, in your division. It doesn't matter uh, where you start it. And it can be mm. as small or as large as you want it to be. I've seen it in large companies work really well. Um, I just came back from Texas where I was working with a group of 20 leaders in a fairly small organization. Um, and sometimes I just go in and help people realize that their values are pretty good, their purpose is pretty good, and maybe they just need to be realigned with what they started with 10, 15 years ago. You know, they've experienced some culture shift and gotten away from their why they started doing what they were doing. They just need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, others say, you know what, I'm tired of the power world. I don't want to be in that world anymore. Help me, help me do something different. Yeah. And what we find yeah. is I can talk to CEOs, I can talk to corporate leaders, middle managers, supervisors, leads. Everybody knows that what we're doing today doesn't work, and we want something different. And, you know, how can we treat each other with dignity and respect have disagreements that are, you know, that we respect. That we have a disagreement. Let's respect that person. Yeah. And so instead of serving an ideology, why don't we serve, serve the person and, okay. and serve that person rather than all this other stuff and get back to yeah. helping each other. Yeah. And it's in, it's interesting. Each other. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. I mean, yeah. It, it, it takes a brave kind of person, though, surely, doesn't it? If, if the CEO, going back to the point you were describing, the CEO isn't on board, okay, you don't need their permission, you, there's nothing stopping you, uh, next level down or next level down, whatever, um, acting in this way. But we, we do tend to follow the behavior of the leaders, don't we? So that must make, you've got to be quite strong, haven't you, to, to break out of that. Well, yeah, you do, but what I will share with you is organizations who have done it starting in a small group. Um, Our largest client we do business with, they're training over 100,000 employees in 48 states right now. Well, they started in one small division, Uh and what happened was they were committed to that. They saw amazing results, financial results, from implementing that culture. And what happened is everybody in the corporation was going, hey, what's going on in that group down in Texas? Because we want whatever they've got because they're getting great results. They're having fun. They can see it. 
Um, and when a small department decides to start doing things differently and say, you know what, when we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. When we put mm-hmm. a deadline on a report or input, we're going to, we're going to meet that deadline, and we're going to do mm-hmm. it with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to get excited and yell at each other. We're going to do it in accordance with our values. When you start doing that, people start having success, and, and it's very difficult to stop that success because they found a different way to get it. And when they found a different way to get it that is exciting and makes you feel good, guess what? The employee gets more engaged, and mm-hmm. the performance goes up. Mm-hmm. And when employee engagement goes up, their performance goes up, and that's when you get the proper opportunity to talk to your leadership team, excuse me, mm-hmm. about what you did to get those results. Now you have the ears of your corporate leaders because they've seen it in your results first rather than you trying to convince them to change the way they do things. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. that happen in more organizations than 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 starting at the top because people want to do something different. And when they do it the right way and they get results, it gets the attention of the leaders, and now they have a platform to talk about, here's how we did it. Yeah. So so in that we've literally got a minute left, Art. Um, if I was to say to you there was one thing for listeners to take away, am I, would I be right in saying that it's, it's don't try and change the world on day one, start small and demonstrate proof? and people will then ask you what you're doing differently, and you can then start right. to expand. Is that the gist of it? Yeah. Start with yourself and start where you are. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and if it's smart, start with yourself and change yourself first, your behaviors, and then, and then help the group that you're responsible for change their, their behavior, and, and you'll get better results, and you'll get some attention, and you'll have an opportunity to really tell people and share with them how you, how you did that. And it's, it's really exciting to watch. It's been great. Thank you. I'm really quite inspired. I'm sure our listeners are too. Art, thank you so much for sharing your your insights with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And it just remains for me to say uh, thank you and uh, and good night. And thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.